I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Nothing will stop the Satanic total release. Stop pestering Satan. Welcome to the place where we are so sick of the question why Satan, we named a podcast after it. Hello once again, and as everyone tends to know by now, I tend to record the introduction, which is this, after I've recorded everything else. Now, for this show, I'm doing the same format, which I have my main segment, which is a long segment that tends to be pretty long. Uh, Like, it can be from 30 to 40 minutes. After thinking about this and actually talking with some people on Discord... I've actually been thinking of this a bit more. So I think after today's show, which excludes the main segment that's going to come up, I'm going to try to have more segments. And what I mean by this, if I have a rant I'm going to go on, or if there's a topic that I want to touch on that's going to be a longer topic, I'm going to try to split that up into more segments, and I'm going to do them on different weeks. Because sometimes there's a lot of little things that I want to cover, and I can't always get to those. But they don't require a big 30-minute segment. And myself, I like hearing and learning about things sometimes in small bites. Sometimes I like big, long segments. Sometimes I don't. So I think what I'm going to do from now on, I'm going to try to break things down into small segments and cover them within... 10, 20, 15 minutes, and then have another segment, maybe talk about some things that are on the news, or maybe something that's going on within other aspects of Satanism, or even talking about ideas of the tenants, maybe how tenants relate to something that's come up, or not necessarily even always tenants, we can look at other ideas of Satanism, which I've been trying to do lately. We can, we can do some ex- exploration on other, other satanic ideas. And I'm actually really liking this idea. It, I think it's better if I, to digest a topic, taking certain topics in smaller bites. This way, I can have feedback from everyone here. We can talk about it. I can learn more. It, does, it means I don't need to cram so much knowledge of when I want to talk to something on a week. I can pick part of a topic and learn about that. And so that's how I'm going to be trying to do the show from now on. This also allows me to do the show in smaller chunks, which will be a lot helpful. It will help me get things out more consistently because I don't always have 30 minutes or 40 minutes or in a day to say something, to record, and then uh, edit something if I need to edit. I try not to edit too much, especially if I'm in a rush, but when I do, sometimes it can take quite a while. So I'm going to go with this plan. This way I can perhaps do one segment one day, another segment another day. gives me plenty of time to edit it. allows, like I said, if I'm breaking things up into smaller segments... I can get feedback. We can have nice, cool discussions on it. I can ask people, hey, did you like that segment? Is there anything about that topic that you'd like to cover? And so that's what I'm going to aim to do from now on with my segments. And the reason why it lets me pause in the middle of talking is, and this might bore some people talking about like how uh, 
do things with podcasting. Because of how podcasting works, and especially because how my mic is, if I shift where I'm sitting and I bump the mic a little bit, it can change how my voice sounds quite a bit. I'm sure some of you've noticed sometimes I'll take a pause or I'll have to re-edit something or add an audio in. And sometimes it sounds like a weird edit on TV. Like, you know, when uh, TV used to edit out the swear words, when, like, uh, you'd be watching Dark, Die Hard and uh, John McClane would go to swear and someone who sounds not quite like John McClane, uh, Bruce Willis, would say something else like fudge. And you're like... That wasn't Bruce Willis. That didn't sound that sound like someone trying to sound like Bruce Willis. I'm sure people have caught that before where it's like that audio sounds weird. And I try to do little uh tricks to cover up when audio sounds different or if I have to record it a different way, if I have to do some editing or if I have to just not do a segment all in one shot. So this this I think is going to help me out to be more consistent with my uploads. I think this is going to help out anyone who wants to talk, um, interact with, with the podcast more. Hopefully this will help me be more comfortable um, getting things out. It'll hopefully put less pressure on me because I'll be honest, sometimes I sit down and do a podcast and go, oh, I have to record for 30 minutes. Do I have enough stuff to do 30 minutes? Most of the time I do. I am a very good ranter. I can go on. Even this discussion is too long. I, I should stop. <laughs> But I just wanted to let everyone know that is my plan from now on. And um, so we can move on to the main segment, which is probably going to be the last of the common long 30-minute segments. Some, some topics will warrant a longer discussion and topic. But let's move on. Being an atheist changes people. There's no doubt about that. When you lose... A belief in God, you change. And a lot of people say, well, no, you, you don't. It's just you learn something new, and you learn that there's no God. You no longer believe in a God. And some people say they don't have a belief system. Atheism doesn't have a belief system. So it doesn't change, really. Just your knowledge has changed. And yes, that's true. That's definitely true. But new knowledge and a new way of thinking of the world changes you it changes people and i think that that's something that confuses a lot of theists i think it's why they look at someone who's non-theist and believe that there is some sort of like the uh atheist belief system the atheist religion because a lot of atheists think alike they do they do a lot of atheists do think alike they do tend to be more liberal they do tend to be more open to others. They tend to be definitely socially more liberal. But not all. There aren't, not all of them. There are libertarians who are atheists, uh, the people who follow Ayn Rand. Those people confuse me. As I've mentioned before, I don't see how libertarianism and atheism work. I don't know how they work. I, I, I was one for a very short time, a very short time because i've mentioned before i used to be a libertarian i wasn't an extreme libertarian i would have called myself a moderate though other people may have not called me a moderate i don't know it, it's hard to say but a lot of their beliefs seem very very bizarre without a god and it's why 
Soon after I lost my theism, I started, I very quickly started to drop my uh, libertarianism. And when I went into atheism, well, saying atheism is kind of weird. It sounds like a, a religion or a belief system. When I became an atheist, I, I felt, well, th there's libertarian atheists. That's, Iran I was an atheist and a libertarian. And I, I, I tried to hold on to that. I went, well, I'm going to listen to all these atheists. And yeah, most of them, most of them are not libertarian at all. Most of them are quite liberal and even more on the, some of them on the, especially the ones I listened to were more of a almost socialist bent. bent. I won't call them socialists because I'm not sure those in Europe would call them socialists, but social democrats, I suppose, I suppose you could call most a lot of atheists. And so I, I, I tried, I, I tried to do a lot of research on libertarianism and atheist arguments and i i couldn't find ones that satisfied me and and one thing kept sticking out one thing that i always had a problem with when it came to libertarianism and there not being a god was well where does justice come from and you could say well what do you mean was just justice come from libertarianism doesn't say there's no laws it's just um that you keep government out of things there's still probably a police uh a police presence and everything there's just like less government and yes yes that's true for moderate libertarians but even with moderate libertarianism there's there's no government social programs really and they believe that well corporations should do that and if there's a need that they'll do it for pr but if you look at companies now and the um the crap that they do and no one even notices. Do you think if there was no regulations that it would be any better? I highly doubt it. I, I, I can't think of how it would work. But when you get into the more extreme libertarians, the ones who want a libertarian utopia, I don't understand how any of them could be atheist. I don't get it. I, it doesn't make sense to me. And so let's just go into what liberalism I mean, libertarianism, the basics of that is. The, the basis, from what I remember when I was a libertarian, when I was a libertarian, was that there was an entrenched distrust of government. And the idea that the government could tell you what to do was the problem. Uh, government wasn't to be trusted. It would always lead to problem, problem, problems because the government had a monopoly on force, and that was never good. And it would always lead to... Uh, some sort of government force that would be oppressive. Um, I remember a lot of people would point to Russia and South America and China. Um, pointing at South America, uh, to look at that for a second, um, it, I wouldn't honestly say that a lot of their problems come from too much government. Their governments are corrupt in some instances. We know that that's part of the problem. But I'm not too sure that that has anything to do with... Uh, a large government, since a lot of the problems that we do see in South America, the problems that do happen in Mexico, and a lot of the countries that people are now trying to escape from, and people apparently blame them for trying to escape, we see that it is that the government can't crack down on these criminal elements or this corruption. And well, I have not done enough research into South America for me to want to dive into that. I'd probably end up getting something wrong and deeply offending somebody. But I don't think that too much government is their problem, needless to say.
many of the libertarians I knew and many more of the well-known libertarians, they believe that because the government's made of corrupt people that it's going to be a problem. And that's not necessarily wrong. That's not incorrect. People are corruptible. But when you don't have a god or anything like that to look for, there's nothing better than people. People's all you have. So I do understand that point of view. But any organization is going to have that problem, no matter what it is. Everyone will have that issue, including corporations, which libertarians like business. They love the free market. But I, I want to go back to the, the corruption element. There was someone who, ah, David Pakman had a statement that he made on libertarianism, and I really liked it because I, I looked into it a little bit, and it makes a lot of sense. He commented that the issue with libertarianism, you need to look at evolution. If you look at ants, ants are very good at large-scale organization to do very rigid tasks. They do this and that. They have an instinct, which is why they can organize. They've been put into a social order by their evolution. But you look at something like primates, they're a lot more flexible. They can organize to do many more things. However, they're in small groups, which works. If you've ever worked with a small group of people, you know that you, you, can, you can organize around issues. You can organize around problems you have. You can come to some sort of equality, not only because you're all in the same boat most of the time. A small group, for the most part, you normally all have the same needs. And this really works well as a good analogy. People are primates. We're very good at doing flexible organizations with small groups of people. We're very good at that. You see people organizing things all the time, small groups and everything. But people are not good with large numbers. We see this in everything. Most people can't fathom big numbers. You, you throw numbers like when you talk about space at someone and a lot of times their eyes glaze over. They have a hard time thinking of those numbers and i think i can i have a decent grasp on like space but when you i mean you can you can picture i don't think i could picture a million billion stars it, you can't do it the brain is not meant for that and so when you get into big numbers and big organizations it doesn't work and i think that's one of the flaws of libertarianism and its heart is that they look at these small organizations and on very focused tasks, like a business. A business might be really good at, I don't know, making tires or making soda or making food. But the bigger it gets, some of the problems creep in. And that's just a business. They have their own interests. They have singular interests, much like ants. Ants can, ants have a singular interest. They do one thing and they do it well. Well, not one thing, but they, they do a particular set of skills and they do it well. And they, they barely need to think about how they need to organize because it's all set in stone. It's set in their evolution, which is like a company's bylaws or their mission statement. A government, however, has to do a lot of things. And has to do a lot of things. That's why government's messy. That's why I don't think there's ever going to be any sort of perfect government because it's a mess. It is an organization trying to do a million things. But if you've ever worked in school, and I know you have, at um, group projects, and you've tried to split up tasks with different people, 
who have all different interests and you sort of split them up and say, hey, you do this, you do that, you do that, and we'll all come together and do this. Some, it's not going to go well. Someone doesn't do the work. Someone does most of the work. Someone goes off and does something completely different. And to me, that's what would happen if like you tried to just organize like businesses to try to run things. And that's not even just saying that going on the idea that of profit. Profit's going to screw everything up, which is why libertarianism has issues. And because many of them push the free market, and they use the free market for everything, what's good, what's bad. Uh, like I said, business is a trust over the government, deregulation over regulation. They feel problems that are real problems are going to be motivated by profit because someone's going to want to fix it because there's profit there. The problem is what happens in an issue where there's no profit? Like you could say, well, cleaning the beach cleaning a public beach what what profits in that and they say well it would be a private beach people would have to they could charge to enter you'd rent to uh times you'd pay for it you'd and everyone would do that and it'd be paid for it'd be private and if you want to go to the nice beach it might be a little more costly or you go to the beach that beach has more rocks on it and here's where things start to break down is when you get into the more extremes I remember around the Tea Party when the big libertarian push was happening uh, and uh, the Free State projects where a lot of libertarians wanted to move to New Hampshire and turn into a completely libertarian state, which they did with one town. It ended disastrously. It happened in um, a little commune in Texas, too. Completely fell apart. And that's the issue that you get with libertarianism. It doesn't work well when People need to do things that there's really no profit in. Good example. Really good example. In one of the towns that I mentioned that's actually documented in a, um, a bit of a snarky book called Libertarian Walks Into a Bear. And one of the things that is noted in that book is the fact that police was um, private security. And that's a problem. That, that's a big problem is they noted that... There was better funded police that, well, there was one police, there was one security system, but there were different tiers of protection. And one of them didn't have like house calls for like domestic abuse, burglary, uh, things like that. And you can already see that that's a problem considering the people who are going to need those services probably won't be able to afford, afford them very much. Good, good example for this. Okay, let's take, let's take domestic abuse. If someone is abusing their domestic partner and it's enough abuse to where the abuser is in control of the household, which in most cases, it's a man who's abusing his wife. And in those cases, a lot of times the man tries to keep his wife in the house and tries to keep any law enforcement away, especially if they're main, like, major abuser and so if you need to pay for sec your security or the police are gonna ignore you that seems like a really good way to um to not get caught when you abuse your wife you just don't pay for security or since you're paying them you can tell them this is none of your business go away i mean maybe maybe the the next door neighbor will 
have the premium service, which means they can call the cops and their neighbors if there's a problem, which then you're paying security a premium service so you can sick them on your neighbors. Okay, um, that... Uh, already you see the logic and how things are breaking down, and we're just on security. Then you get to garbage, and one of the uh, communes, they didn't have garbage in the parks because, you know, it's a public park. It got almost no funding, and people would litter because... You know, it's not their park. They didn't give a shit. And they just, you know, put food around and there was no garbage collection. And th this is where you get the title of the book, A Libertarian Walks Into a Bear. Because there's trash and there's no one to clean up the streets. And so, you know, you're in New Hampshire. So you get bears on the public park. And if I remember the story correctly, a libertarian walks into a bear. They didn't walk away. I, If I remember right, they, they were killed by the, a bear. Because there was no trash pickup on the public park. And, and yeah, the book is snarky about it. It's, it's a snarky book. I, I, I wish there was a little more seriousness to the book. Because, well, they're being snarky on this subject. They, they, they brush over some really serious topics. Like uh, what pedophilia and um, child porn. That, that was a major issue at the town. Is A lot of the pedophiles and child porn producers went to this town because they weren't really worried about the security, the private security doing anything to them because the private security was being paid to do that. And yeah, let, let me pull up a quote. I need to pull up a quote, particular quote from one of the, um, uh, they were a potential, um, libertarian presidential nominee. Give me one second here. Okay. So, the article states that pedophilia and child pornography became major systemic problems in this area. The, as I mentioned, the one of the candidates for the Libertarian presidential nomination, Mary Roadwort, stated in 2008, children who willingly participate in sexual acts have the right to make the decision as well. Even if it is distasteful for us personally, some children will make poor choices just as some adults do in smoking and drinking to excess. When we outlaw child pornography, the prices paid for the child performers rise, increasing incentives for parents to use their children against their will. In 2008, the party refused to vote on a resolution asking states to strongly enforce existing child pornography laws. So basically, what that's saying is they view child pornography like smoking pot that you know if someone wants to do it you really can't stop them it's their body and they have that right to make and they have a right to make errors and mistakes the the issue with this is we're talking about children and a lot of times it's not their choice and it, it's it, it's bothering me even having to talk about this issue but the fact that this person was a candidate well, a candidate for the presidential nomination tells me everything I need to know about the Libertarian Party. And I can't remember if 2008 around was when I was still a pretty Libertarian. I think it was. I think I was still a bit of a Libertarian during this time. And if I heard about this, uh, that would that might have turned me around a lot quicker. It, I read that leaves me um, speechless. And just the fact that they, they didn't want to vote on a resolution saying that the laws should be enforced. And this comes back 
to why I don't understand how there can be atheist libertarians. Like, I understand some of the, the theist libertarians. They say that, well, people will be in check because God will make sure that those who need help will get it and that those who are poor probably deserved it. That's still horrible. I used to hear that in some circles, which that was one thing I didn't agree with. That was one of the struggles that I had with libertarianism, actually. It was one of the disagreements that I had with some of my libertarian friends was that I thought that there had to be some sort of uh, social net because you can't just leave people to nothing. You can't say because they're poor, they have nothing. And you get people who say, well, if people really want something, they'll work towards it. It's not always about working towards it. If you want a good example, I actually had to go to school for quite a while to just get my teaching certificate. To, I had to get a bachelor's degree. I had to get my master's, and I had to take a test for uh, my license. And all of it costs money. All of it costs quite a bit of money. I'm in, I'm in, I, had my, I was lucky enough to have my bachelor's degree paid for, but master's degree... The uh, government doesn't pay for that. I had to pay for that with a loan, which I'm still nowhere near paying off. I feel like I've paid off none of it. I feel like I've just been hit with interest and I've just been paying off interest, but that's a whole other issue. And so when you take away, when you take away the idea that there could be any justice whatsoever because there's no God, what do you have left with libertarianism? You have the idea that people with money can do whatever they want because they can pay for it. A good example of libertarianism at its finest is, I believe it was, don't quote me on this because this is off the top of my head, I believe it was, was it Trump Jr. who hunted an animal in Africa because he paid the fine or something like that? I'm not too sure. I do know that this has been a thing where people go hunt an animal in Africa, they have so much money and they'll just pay the fine on it. And that is where the big problem with libertarianism is. And I don't see how there could be any justice there if there's no belief in God. Like, because you just pay the fine and you get out of it. And then jails, you'd get a fucking private jail system. Not government, you'd have a, in their libertarian um, utopia, where they want basically everything free market, you'd have a completely private jail system, even worse than we'd have now. And, oh, I'm going to go to jail for 20 years? Well, what if I were to pay the jail double the amount of money they would get for holding me in a free market where there's no regulations? And depending on what the contract says, why, why wouldn't that happen? More so when there's no divine being to watch out and uh, punish you after death. Th this is why I've said that I, I understand theist libertarians a lot more than atheist ones. I, I don't get them. And the reason why I brought this up in the first place, the, the reason why I even thought about this was that the Texas snowstorm, because a lot of the problems in Texas during that snowstorm was the libertarian view of smaller government, cheaper, doing things cheaper because they want to save money because they don't want taxes, so they have less income taxes, and the government has less money. The government in Texas meets very infrequently the legislator. And 
that's a big cause of it. They wanted to be independent from everyone else. They wanted to be their own people. So they didn't even have, uh, they didn't even have backups to other states, which a lot of other states do. They basically let this company run their whole power grid. And that's libertarianism in a nutshell, where it's independence to the point of no one helps picking up the garbage and you get eaten by a bear. And if you didn't make enough money for anyone to notice or care, too bad. That's not society's problem. You were a burden. You didn't make enough money. And then it gets even worse when you think about, at least for me, when you think about people like a lot of special needs children that I, I, I work with, a lot of their parents don't have money. It costs so much money for these services. And if you had to think about the free market, supply and demand, that uh, how would you take care of these children without government help? Most parents have to pay some out of pocket and it nearly breaks them. And they still have some government help, which I guess some atheist um libertarians might say well then we should know about the child and then maybe they shouldn't have the child or give it up for adoption or uh, have an abortion which uh that's each parent to their own but that's a little dark and I, and i want to know what the the theist libertarians think about that the idea that you're at that point incentivizing people that if something's wrong with their kid to have an abortion because I know a lot of theists don't like the idea of um, any sort of DNA screening to tell if there's potentially something wrong with the uh, the embryo and giving the parent the choice to abort the, the embryo, which that's a whole other discussion. That That is a deeper moral issue. I, I think it's still the, um, the woman's choice. It is just another moral issue inside of a moral issue that's personal to someone. And... One of the first things that I agree with libertarians on is the government doesn't belong in people's bodies. But apparently in their view that a business does or your wallet does. So that that's interesting. I've, I've not really seen that argument with a religious libertarian. That's an interesting argument. I'm going to have to bring that one up. That it would encourage abortion having no social safety net. That's... That's an interesting one. Though they might say there might be a market for adoptive children, which that that's creepy in and of itself. I don't know how that would interact with the QAnon people. I, I'm just just talking about this. I'm seeing all these like conflicting issues with the different types of libertarians that sort of like are, would crash over some of these issues. But that is just one example of the many times I've said that being a non-theist changes one's point of view and i've tried to explain this to people and it doesn't always work they still say well then it's part of the belief but but they don't understand which maybe they do when they just don't want to is that it's it's not non-theism that changes people's views i don't think it does i think it's theism that changes the views it is this taking of responsibility from you to putting it off on this God. It's, you're not responsible to try to make the world a better place. You're just responsible for looking to God and helping him make it a better place, how your beliefs tell you that it should be a better place. And that if there's some sort of issue 
with this divine plan? Well, that's a mystery, and that is for God to sort out. And that's why I, I, I have issue with theism. Again, I've, I've said this time and time again, I don't have, I don't, I have issues with some theists, but not all theists. Someone being a theist, I don't necessarily have an issue with them. I do have an issue with theism because I feel it, as I've said before, I, I think it takes burden away. And I think that that's something that, especially me being a Satanist, I, I believe that someone has to own their, they have to own their responsibilities. They might have rights. There's plenty of rights to go around, but that means you have responsibilities. If you want rights, you have responsibilities. And I, and I hear libertarians say that all the time, but I don't see how they mean it. I don't. I'd love someone who's a libertarian who can look at these issues and explain them to me to defend them, please. I, I'd love to know your point of view on how, how do we solve the child porn issue if we have privatized security? How do we solve the issue of special needs children who cost so much to take care of and families can be poor? What do we do? Do we, do we take the child away? Do we put them in a foster care that's private? Do we have the child have to pay off the services when they grow up? Do we have some sort of internment camp or work camp? Like, how? I don't understand. It is one of the logistics that I won't explain, but I, I'm not sure anyone's going to be able to explain it to me in any sort of satisfying um, view for me. It, it is one of my moral stances that I am opposed to much of what libertarianism is for, which is weird because I was one, and I, and I feel that's kind of why it's a bit of a passion of mine. So it, it was very interesting to, to really think on this throughout the, the week and I didn't want to go into it right after um, I didn't want to go into it right after what happened in Texas because what happened to be, the people in Texas is not their fault I was I, I was getting a little upset with some of the people especially some atheists that I know who were who were looking at people in Texas and saying well you live in Texas that's what you get for living in Texas one not everyone as we know from just looking at elections not everyone in Texas supports the people they elect. You could even say it is possible for the, the majority of people in Texas not to support for the, the majority of people they elect. One, because there's a, a, plenty of people in Texas who can't vote, partly because of their uh, immigration status, which as much as Texas says that, well, they don't want undocumented people in their, their state, uh, the the legislator isn't really cracking down in businesses that hire them or, or use them. And then you get redistricting, which Texas, Texas is fucked up. If you've ever looked at some districts in Texas, they're, they're all over the place. They're, they're, they look like some weird jigsaw puzzle. So I wasn't happy about that. And that's part of the reason why I didn't want to talk about libertarianism around when that happened, because I didn't want anyone to perceive it is an attack on the people of Texas. It's not their fault. And anyone who did, I know I said this earlier, anyone who went after the people of Texas because of the politicians, that's, that doesn't help. Especially if they're already on your side. Telling someone who knows their state is shit that they deserve what they got because their state's shit, it's not helpful. I planned on this being a smaller uh, segment. I was planning on like 
having a quick segment on libertarianism than having some segments on other things. But is often what happens when I get on ranting. It 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 goes it got away from me. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. But some people like the ranting from what I've seen. So some people like my ranting. So thank you for listening to my rants about libertarianism and atheist libertarians, which again, still, if, if there's some atheist libertarians out there who can explain this stuff in terms of that, I don't mean like if you're a moderate libertarian who just wants like less government, that's, we can debate on that all day. I mean like someone who wants libertarian utopia, like they want Iran, they want Iran's like utopia. Explain it to me. I, I Tell me how it works. Um, I'll give you a shout out. If you can explain it to me in a method that I cannot stand and I legitimately can't have a moral issue with, I'll give you a shout out on the podcast and I'll give you a shout out on Twitter twice. I will do it for two shows and I will do it on two podcasts if you can do it. And if you have a podcast, I'll even promote it for you. If you can, if you can demonstrate to my satisfaction that you can have a moral libertarian utopia, leaving it at that. Once again, I can say this has been Why Satan and Hail Satan. If you're here looking for a snarky comment or something like that, I'm I'm kind of out of one for this week. So, uh, yeah. See you later.